0: Hello, welcome back to the Chief Wellbeing Officer podcast. I'm Stephen McGregor. It's great to be back. It's episode 36, Stronger People, Stronger Society, with Klaus Flensborg of Arla Foods. So a new year on the podcast, a little bit later than I had hoped, um, and actually reminds me of Q3 last year in travel, when we just about squeezed in three episodes before the end of September. So hoping to do the same again here before the end of March. Um, you know, it's just been a busy start to the year, uh, and then just finding guests and, you know, continuing with this thematic uh, focus with three guests, so trying to just get the same theme from three people and, and, and you know, making that a kind of cohesive whole as well. So it was interesting, you know, before landing on the current theme, which I'll talk about in just a few moments... Um, There was another couple that we were looking at. So public health was one. So just looking at the fantastic work of, you know, NHS in the UK and then other research in the space. You know, Barcelona also has a fantastic uh, research centre that looks at at public health. Um, Starting up was another theme that we considered. If we think about the last huge crisis, you know, the economic crisis 2008... Then you know Uber, Airbnb, and many other very innovative companies were formed in this chaotic space. And often, when we have huge disruption to our lives, then you know entrepreneurs are are, are in there and, and trying to make our lives better. So not necessarily finding the next Uber, although you never know. But um, you know, talking to some startups just now uh, on their journey, and that could be a theme that we pick up a little bit later in the year. But what we did. Land on finally was this theme of thriving business. So what does that mean? You know, I just felt that a year now into the pandemic, um many countries around the world in the last few weeks just marking that year in very kind of solemn ceremonies of remembrance and just recognizing that we've been in this space for a long time, and a lot of people are really getting tired now, and there's a real pandemic fatigue. And I sense that in a lot of conversations that we're having with clients and, and we're trying to help them as much as we can through this through this phase. You know, some companies have really suffered. And, and again, coming back to Q3 last year, we saw that with the focus on travel. That is a sector that just very easily is just, you know, diminished through the lives that we're now leading. And they're going to have to think about how they reinvent themselves. And as we talked about in some of those episodes last year on Q3, reinvent themselves for the better, right? Um, But on the other hand, other companies, and that might be a natural sectoral advantage, they have done very well in this time. And I think we need these good news stories, right? So at this time of fatigue, um, for many of us, uh, you know, I think is looking to business... That has done well uh, as a means of perhaps inspiring us uh, at the start of this year, um, and and how we can maybe use perhaps some of these lessons to to fuel our own journeys and our own organisations as we hopefully emerge in the next months to a brighter future. Um, so you know, I think even spring coming is uh, is is wonderful, right? So you know, today is the 24th of March and Barcelona, just in the last week or two, has come alive with spring. So running on the the, the mountain overlooking the city and a lot of the cherry blossoms really in full bloom now, it's just, it's it's, it's a lovely time of the year and, and a lot of the birds just a little bit louder in song um, and maybe not hearing them as clearly as last year when we were in lockdown in Barcelona so there wasn't as much traffic. But they're still making themselves heard, so I think it is a time of optimism. It is a time of looking forward uh, and how we can, you know, build back better and, and recognize that a lot of us are kind of quite low, perhaps at the present moment, um, but that we're on a path and a very firm path to move forward. So that's the logic, right? So we got three fantastic guests, three organisations that we're going to look at, and the first one is Arla Foods and talking to Klaus. So Klaus is a great guy. I first met him in 2014 when I was teaching at IMD Business School in Lausanne. And he you know, comes from a background of competitive sport. He played handball at a very high level. And he's the global L&D director at Arla, which is a really fascinating company. They're doing so much in the space of well-being and... You know, we're kicking off with them because I think if you look at the food sector, uh, you know a lot of their uh, work is in dairy, uh, but just more generally FMCG. When we're all locked down in our homes, then, yeah, they've got a natural advantage, right? So I wanted to talk to Klaus about some of the things that have been going on. They, they posted a record year for 2020, and we wanted to talk a little bit more about what was going on, right? So we talked about those natural advantages, but also recognising that maybe there's real fragility there in the supply chain, which has affected many companies around the world. And then we got to talking about, you know, what's happened to some of the people uh, in terms of how they felt during this time. Uh, Because I think, you know, even though the the theme here is thriving business and Arla have done very well on a business level, there's still vulnerabilities there, right? There's still people who have had uh, a tough experience, but as we've seen in previous organisations, Uh, and thinking back to even the interview with Stephen Cassidy of Hilton Hotels last year, people have, you know, they've they've got involved, they've been empowered, they've been energised by the changing way of work, which is about more rapid execution, it's about uh, experimentation, it's about doing a new way of working, and that improves our wellbeing in its own right, right? So we talked a little bit about that, um, but also recognising that, you know, It's not all Roses, let's say. And then we turned our attention to the large initiative that Arla currently have in play, which is along the lines of the title of this episode, which is Stronger People, Stronger Society. So we talked about some of these initiatives and the very interesting thing, which I think we all you know, have to be aware of. Uh, I'm even thinking about my own experiences this week. I'm delivering an executive course, which is called... Uh, or one of the keywords there rather, I don't want to give too much away, we'll do a catch up on what's happening with with what's going on with lab work in the next episode. But the keyword word is flourishing. And I think human flourishing is one of those things that we also have to look at. You know, the journey of well-being isn't just for ourselves, it isn't just for us as an individual, but we have to think about how we build more well teams and how we build a more well society. So societal well being is the natural extension and a lot of the work that we do on well being and we've done for the past fifteen years. And so in Arla they're really looking at this connection between stronger people and not just physical strength or physical health. And and we touch on that as well with Klaus, right? It's not all about that. It's about, you know, the holistic aspect of well being, but very much how that contributes to a stronger society and how Arla can play a responsible part through the work that they do into building a society that is, I don't know, perhaps more equitable, but certainly more well, uh, uh, fairer, and, 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 and we make the most of this global reset that we've had. So I think that's about it from me. Um, we'll be back very soon after this episode. Uh, the next episode will be with Ronnie Kelders of L'Oreal. Uh, again, another fascinating conversation in store. But for the time being, it's, again, great to be back. Uh, Thank you for tuning in and listening, whether this is the first episode that you've listened to or you've listened to a few over the last couple of years. Uh, I hope you're well. I hope you're safe. uh, And enjoy this one, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye for now. Ciao. Welcome to the Chief Wellbeing Officer podcast, Klaus. So where are you in the world right now?
1: I am sitting in uh, Aarhus, Denmark, uh, looking out of the, the window and uh, actually sitting in our global uh, head office here in, uh, in Aarhus of, of Arle Foots. So uh, one of the rare days in the office, which I enjoy uh, a lot.
0: Good to know. So you're in the office now, what, a couple of days a week? How is that? How is that going? Mixing it up between home working and office?
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of how I uh, how I do it. Uh, I think right now we 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 try to stay uh, at home, working from home as much as possible. But with uh, four kids uh, home, uh, <laughs> some of them homeschooling, others coming home uh, very early uh, after school, it it uh, it is a challenge to be at home. So I'm I'm here a couple of days a week, but the office is quite empty most days.
0: Yeah, no, that's what I was going to ask, right? I mean, maybe previously um, the office for you would have been a bustling place to share ideas and 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 to work in projects, but probably now it's the place to go and concentrate and get away, get away from the, <laughs> the chaos of the family life, right?
1: <laughs> yes, you're so right. That's exactly what the office is uh, is used for now. That is uh, that is quiet work. Yeah. Now, we yeah. also we also sometimes. Uh, a couple of people from my team, we, we live very close to the office, so we kind of uh, arrange that we can maybe uh, just touch base if we are all in the office uh, at the same time. But otherwise, it is a quiet place at the moment.
0: It's interesting. You know, over the years, there's been lots of talk about flipping the classroom and and what you do where. And and now that I've seen some recent articles on on flipping the workplace, so that's kind of what it's like just now for, for you. But, but looking at Arla, Arla had a great year um as as I understand um can can you tell us a little bit more about just how things have gone generally for the business since the start of the pandemic I mean I'm sure it's been a roller coaster and lots of difficulties in that time but on a a general level what have you guys done in the last 12 months
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I think as as you say Ala has had a uh a, a really, really great uh, 2020. Uh, of course, being being situated in uh, in the dairy industry, uh, that that has of course helped a lot. Uh, people have been more at home; they have been cooking more, baking more, and that's where a lot of uh, the dairy products, of course, play a, a huge role. So, uh, so a really great year, and I, and I think, you know, what what we have seen. Uh, at Arla, is especially uh, our our sites our, our dairies uh, have have really stepped up um and and ensured that that we have a, a stable uh, supply chain because has been a huge uh, challenge for many companies uh, during the pandemic where we have actually seen a very very resilient uh, supply chain and also being able to shift focus you know we, we we went from uh, food service just shutting down uh, very fast, uh, and then cooking baking products taking over. So also a lot of sites needing to uh, reprioritize. We had to uh, to focus very much on online marketing. So a lot of pivots also uh, happened throughout this uh, throughout this year, uh, and I think it, it's it's very much to you know, empowerment of, of local teams down to uh, to individual sites where they had to figure out how do we ensure to keep distance when right? and they just, you know, threw up some uh, plastic uh, dividers between each person, which would normally maybe have taken half a year or a year to get through all health health and safety requirements. Suddenly you just had to, then you found the solutions uh, also collaborating across uh, organizational boundaries. So so I think all in all, Ala as a Nordic company, has a, uh, I would say, a pretty flat uh, hierarchy. And I think that has helped us uh, a lot. And we've been able to take a lot of huge local decisions very early up, which which helped us a lot to get traction through this uh, pandemic. So so an, an, an amazing uh, 2020.
0: No, that's really interesting, all of those comments. You know, as you say, you can look at the sector and just say, you know, dairy especially and and food more generally, you know, it is one of those sectors that perhaps has a natural advantage. You know, if you look at some other tech companies, even, you know, we're communicating over Zoom uh, for this conversation. So there's, there's natural winners and losers of the pandemic, but, you know, it hasn't been easy. And as you said, you know, the supply chain can expose vulnerabilities for you as a business, and that has obviously been one of the things that, you know, many companies that depend on a complex supply chain have had to reevaluate a lot of things. And as you talked about, also resilience, right? You know, we, and I think that's one of the things in, in, in my own work in the past 12 months, we've looked at this concept of resilience a lot on an individual level, but of course, all of the field of study of resilience doesn't just look at people, but it looks at systems and it looks at organisations. And, and as you touched on also, you know, resilience, it isn't about finding necessarily the, the perfect solution, it's about adapting, right? It's about that adaptability and actually put putting into place, you know, practical solutions as quickly as possible, rather than overanalyzing and looking for that, that perfect answer. It's about, okay, let's get this done. Let, let's look at how we can adapt, let's move forward. So as you're saying there, empowerment, that, that kind of lack of hierarchy and the decision-making have been keys for you, right? So that's very interesting to hear. You know, looking mm. at the people side, um, you, you mentioned pivots. Um, I guess it wasn't easy for people. You know, any pivots or any experiments that you can share in a bit more detail on what, what the people have done in that time or how they've even had to change their attitudes to how they work, perhaps? Yeah, I think
1: especially within our... Within our marketing team, uh, I think that sudden shift also to to online retailing uh, and 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 people searching for everything online, they they had to to really re- reinvent themselves and start thinking more in terms of you know online marketing campaigns how do you do that and uh, and how do you do it much faster with a much faster turnaround time so actually we, we were a little bit fortunate because we had established our own marketing agency internally uh, for digital marketing called the barn so 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 they were a little bit on the forefront here but i think it step changed so much and i know that they actually found some some recipes that we have had lying uh, offline and then they implemented them online and it just had an amazing effect uh, on a very short term so actually taking this physical offline marketing to to the online marketing uh, place in such a short while because everyone has seen it, it coming but it just happened boom overnight and then you had to work with it uh, from there so, so i think that's that's definitely one example of a uh, of a pivot. You can say that that was quite uh, significant in the entire food service. You know, from one day to the other, you couldn't go out and visit your your customers. So we actually saw food service people helping out in some of our dairies uh, because that was where we were we were pressed on uh, on resources because. People also get sick uh, <laughs> when, when you are a production worker. So they had to kind of figure out, OK, how do, we, how do I, I help in a dairy? But also, on the other hand, in their core business, how do we run a food service business with a lot of our clients now closed and all this, uh, you can say, home dining? How do we? Capture that going forward. So, so those would be my my two primary examples.
0: Yeah, and and I think you can see the advantages for well-being in, in a lot of that, right? So, you're talking first of all about the speed of execution, um, and I think that's so important. You know, sometimes in in business life, we're just always, you know, kind of in long, laborious processes. We're kind of overanalyzing. We don't actually get to the doing side of things. And it has to go through so many approvals and it's just that lack of, you know, agility in, 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 in big organizations. So I can see that just for people being able to really execute and, and to finish, you know, projects and respond to change quickly. I can, I can imagine that, that you know, that empowerment fuels it also, but I can imagine that that is, you know, very energizing for people. And the other thing that you're talking about there about, you know, helping out in some of the other plants Research shows that volunteering is immensely valuable for mental health and well-being in particular. Mm. And then, of course, the other benefit that you've got as a business is that people get to really understand, right, what it's like. in another part of Arla, they're they're fully empathizing with colleagues. So I can see that there's a lot of benefits there for, for well-being, right?
1: Mm. Yeah, for sure. For sure, a lot of benefits, and, and, and especially, I, I would say, in... Up until Christmas, you, you saw a lot of these uh, benefits, but I also think now moving into to another phase, you also start start seeing the the fatigue and 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 you know rallying together and this volunteering is uh, is something we, we did with a lot of pride in in the beginning, but of course you also want to to get back and develop kind of your area, and and of course if you're in food service, that's you are kind of hoping, okay, when, when do we get back and when can we kind of uh, make a new strategy for, for, for our ways of working? So I definitely agree this speed of execution and this empowerment, we, we need to take that with us when, uh, when, when, when things stabilize, uh, because uh, people also need to, to get into a phase where they can focus on, on the main uh, areas of responsibility.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we can't be going at 100 miles per hour forever, right? And, and, and mm-hmm. that, you know, we need to take a step back. We need to recover. So, you know, just ask, what's it been like for some of your colleagues and, and maybe particularly within learning and development or HR or, or more generally? You know, I've been looking also uh, a curve recently that um, in some of our, our, our programs, it comes from Zunin and Myers. So it's basically showing the roller coaster of, of how we respond to trauma, and I think, you know, what we saw a lot at the beginning of the pandemic in many ways was this very heroic effort. You actually, people were really determined. You know, they they had an approach about let's solve this together and very collaborative. And then maybe the pandemic gets going a little bit further than they anticipated, and that fatigue, as you say, really does kick in. And I know we had a couple of conversations towards the end of last year, just talking about, you know, people were just kind of crawling over the finish line that was the end of the year. And then hmm. we all come back the new year. We realize maybe the, uh, the the vaccine rather, you know, isn't the panacea that maybe we thought it might be. And there's still a very long road ahead. And in the Zunin and the Myers curve, that that's very much reflected, right? So, you know, the fatigue is kicking in, but we have that long journey back. So, you know, you know, summarizing that it's just, and, and myself included, there's been, it's been such a roller coaster in the past twelve months. I'm sure for you as well. Can you talk about just the different points? What has been the main pain points or the main pressure points for your colleagues or even yourself? Just at the different points in mm. the last twelve months, what are the main things that you need to try and address?
1: Uh, I, I think first of all, one of the main pain points for 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 myself, at least. Is uh, this inability to really sense people uh, around you? Uh, I am a, uh, you can say, <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a feeler. I, I, I've, I have to feel people, uh, and and I think a lot of work now being done uh, online, uh, super effective, but it's difficult to sense where where are people, especially people in my own team as well. How are they with the work? What are their personal stress points? I, I think that sensing part, which is also one of the values uh, at ALA, is, is difficult. And especially for a value-driven organization like ALA. I think this is what I also hear from uh, from a lot of my, uh, my colleagues in, in the organization. And then I think another, you can say, pressure point, which... In, in the beginning of, of the pandemic was uh, was was prevalent, was this, you know, new ways of working kind of overnight. You needed to take care of your job, take care of your family. And now it's, it's moved more into, you've gotten used to this, but now you, you just have a fatigue. Uh, I, I had a colleague who, who said it very well, uh, and, and I feel the same. She said, I feel super busy, but I'm bored. Mm. <laughs> and that's kind of i, I think a, a good picture for me that i'm really busy i love my job it's super super exciting but it's just the same it's like groundhog day with the, the yeah. film i believe with uh, bill murray uh, it kind of just it it repeats itself and there's no as you also said we thought it was this panacea but it it it's not so how how long time can can we keep uh, uh, that that button on uh, on repeat before we just uh, fall over. So, so I think that's that's at least some of the pressure points that uh, that I'm feeling. Just I need something to look forward to, and it goes very much in in the private sphere of uh, of my life. But I think that also says something about this connection between work life and private life. If you know it it influences each other. And when you don't have anything to look forward to in your private life, you don't know when you can go on summer holiday. Can I have my 50th birthday? That's not me, by the way, I'm not 50, <laughs> but anyhow, you uh, there's nothing to look forward to. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that's that's a huge stress point uh, oh, for, right. for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, we're missing that variety, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think both of the points there that you mentioned that it just highlights you know, who we are as human beings, what we need to to be well in our lives. So even just that social contact, that sensing part, as you talked about. And I think at the beginning, a lot of the teams were very productive because we were build, we were building that efficiency and flexibility of working from home on the years of that social contact that we had together in, in the office place, right? But then after a while, mm-hmm. I think that begins to erode. And and it's even interesting, you know, it was, I, I read in The Economist just last month, and it was talking about the concept of uh, skin hunger, and it was saying that touch is the only sense that we can't live without as human beings, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just talking about, you know, a handshake or a hug or just, you know, and just having that, that lack of, you know, physical contact, uh, you mm-hmm. know, you miss it very much. And then that, again, coming back to that variety part, right, it's the emotional needs that not just solve the pain of work, but it makes work much more interesting as well. So as you say, then we just fall into this all day. Or well, some really interesting comments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, your own passion, Klaus, for health and wellbeing has been very apparent. We met, I think it was 2014. I was teaching at IMD and we got to talk there after one of the sessions um, that I gave. And, and I know a lot of your... Uh, even this was before Arla, right? And and a lot of the mm-hmm. passion that you have for some of these subjects, it comes from your previous career in competitive handball and recognising the importance of health for just a well life. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that, your, your years playing handball and then what you did before Arla and, and things like that? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, now now I need to to think very hard to to remember those years because it's so long time ago, Stephen. But uh, but I'll do my best. No, I I, I think the it, it was actually uh, I think in the first years I played professional handball. My my focus was was on the physical uh, well-being, you know, eating well, training well. But then. I, I ran into a, a really really tough period where I didn't play uh, well at all um, and, and and then I actually had some uh, some sessions with a, a very wise old man uh, who, who actually also taught me about the value of working with your uh, with your mental uh, abilities. So so having this, 360 uh, degree view on, uh, on 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 your performance, and it's not only what you eat or, and what how you do uh, how fast you can run. It's it's very much a a, a mental game as well, uh, both off the, the pitch and on the pitch. So so I, I think that gave me some good insights, and and it turned my career around, and 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 and, and therefore. I think now I, I have kind of a valve that I know when to turn when I'm a little too stressed, uh, when when I'm not pushing myself enough. I I have that valve that I can turn on and off, and it's not just sleeping well, eating well. It's also the 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 mental well-being of it uh, of it all. And 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 since it's a method, I I tried over and over again. Uh, I, I now have believe in myself that also if I'm under stress, I know exactly which uh, buttons I need to uh, I need to push, and 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 I think it's actually quite interesting uh, now. Olympics is coming up this uh, summer that actually that is very much about the physical state of people, but you know the the good old days of the Olympics was also about the mental uh, part of it. Uh, so 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 that dual um, you can say approach to it uh, that that has just proven extremely valuable uh, to me and and I'm also very much aware that it's different to different people how they use it but but I think for most people you need to look more holistically at uh, at health uh, than, than just uh, the, the physical part of it
0: yeah. And, and I'm sure that you know what you've learned about yourself over the years, and you know taking those lessons initially from your career in sport has been very much put to the test over the last 12 months, right? So that's a real kind of acid test, let's say, of of resilience and just really understanding those trigger points and those buttons and what you need to do to turn up mm-hmm. or, or turn down, right? You know, but as you say, also we can look at you know, elite sports and we can just say, yeah, it's just the physical, but of course the the mental, it it makes all the difference, right? And it makes the difference between, you know, champion performance and other, you know, very good professional sports people, right? And I think as you Mm -hmm. say as well, we're all different and it's about making the physical non-threatening for perhaps non-physical people, let's say, right? And it's not about, and, and, and to say to people, you know, remember physical well-being, but it's not about, being a marathon runner it's not about being a gym addict it's not about having the perfect body Mm -hmm. by any means it's just remembering on a very basic level that you that you have a body i think because what we tend to do in business is that we often and even myself you know from from a kind of sports background as well when we're living our lives day in day out in the mental space we we tend to forget that we have a body and we live Mm -hmm. our lives from the neck up so regardless of what our background is in sport or or lack of, it's that holistic approach as you say and paying attention to the physical and the mental and recognizing that they you know they they connect so closely and we can't forget about mm. one or the other, right?
1: Yeah, no, no. I think you you have a really really important point there. The physical part for me is definitely not about looking like or training like an uh, elite athlete. Uh, it, it's more being attentive to, as you say, that you actually have a body and it does require <laughs> some consistency of sleep. Uh, different uh, <laughs> food has different effects and just being aware of it and then taking the measures that make sense to you. I, I think that that just gives a lot. And then building some habits uh, around it, just small, small tweaks can do a huge uh, difference. Now, I've been experimenting a lot, so I kind of know that for me, some some stuff works and I just let it go because it, it doesn't work.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not to be afraid of, 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 of that experimentation, right? Mm-hmm. So Arlo's doing well, but what we're saying here is, you know, by no means have you guys got the silver bullet. You know, you have perhaps some natural sector advantages, but there's been a lot of hard work there, right? And and in, in many ways, a way of working, perhaps, that can be implemented in the longer term. And I, I'm thinking back to a conversation that I had in Q3 of last year on the podcast with the managing director of Hilton. And he talked about so many changes that the workforce had implemented that actually were so much more rewarding and actually led to greater well-being because the experience of work was better, right? So I think I'm detecting some, some things here also that might be implemented in the longer term for ARLA, but looking now ahead um, to the future for you and recognizing, of course, that there is still issues, there's still pressure points for, for many of your colleagues. Um, there's, a, there's an initiative that, that you've just launched in ARLA called Stronger People, right? And, um, and and knowing a little bit about this, I think that's very interesting because it links to the concept of stronger society. And again, coming back to some previous comments, you know, the volunteering aspect of some of your colleagues, you know, seeing the effect that, you know, food security has on the society at large. So all of this contributes also to to our well-being. So Klaus, can you tell us a little bit about the Stronger People initiative, please?
1: Yes, for sure. Uh, I, I think that's, uh, that is for me one of, the most uh, relevant and interesting uh, initiatives we have at ALA at the moment. Uh, we we, we have to, uh, also quite holistically at sustainability at ALA, uh, where we have two kind of approaches. We have uh, one approach that's called Stronger Planet. So so that's. Uh, of course has has a lot to do with uh, with the the carbon footprint and and uh, you know all the energy we use uh, at our dairies how can we reduce that uh, when when producing uh, milk and of course also the cows but then the stronger people is more linked to of course what dairy can do to our end consumers that that dairy is uh, is good for you but also internally so, so how can we help our employees become stronger people uh, themselves? And of course, we have different approaches to it. Uh, I'm, of course, very much focused on, uh, on 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 the learning part. So, so that is very much looking into, uh, of course, diversity and uh, and inclusion. Uh, we're looking into that. Um, we are also looking into in, in general resilience uh, mental well-being and, and then on the stronger people we're also looking into our canteens so what is the food we serve in our canteens how can we make it even better and i think you know if if you put that up societal level i think it works like uh, the oxygen mask in the plane You know, you have to put it on first to be able to help others. So if we at Ala help our employees and if we help our consumers become stronger people, consumers by what they eat, our own people internally to ensure that they get this mental health surplus, then I think they have a surplus to actually also go out and volunteer and help uh, society become an even better place. So, of course you know it's not enough that we do some training sessions we do something with the canteen but i think if if we do our efforts at our lab the best possible way and we do our thing to help our employees become better versions of themselves individually but also collectively as a team when you work with inclusion you know if if you are an inclusive organization an inclusive uh, team then people feel better, they have much more time and energy for themselves, for their families, and also for society in general. And and that's why I think this Stronger People Initiative is just super, super important. I'm, I'm looking so much forward to uh, to working with it and, and actually uh, not just talking, about it, but also doing something around it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like the sound of that. You know, you're looking at the details, So, you know, things like the canteen and making sure that, you know, often things that are overlooked, right? The quality of food, for example, it may have, even the design of the office buildings, all these different things. And I think people will be more demanding, perhaps, when they start to come back to the office. It's as if the office has to, you know, make it attractive, right? You're you're kind of selling the place in a way. You're saying, okay, you've been at home for a year, most of that time, but we want you to come back at at least part of that time, and this is why you should come back. And some people are really, you know, looking forward to coming back. They miss the office. Other people less so. So I think there has to be more attraction there in general for workplaces around the world, and and just linking it, as you say, from the personal and making sure that's taken care of first, but then linking it to just broader, you know, notions of societal health, right? And that's that's mission-driven work right there. So what is the meaning? that we can attribute to work. And I think, again, people have had a year to reflect on just life in general, right? You know, the world around us. And I, and I think there's going to be more demands placed on organizations going ahead, right? So I think if we look at thriving businesses and, you know, the fact that Arla has done so well in the past year, then I think a program like this, as you're describing, is going to be necessary to, to make sure that you're thriving into the longer term. So it was great to hear. Just the final point, Klaus, you know, just recognizing that we're out of time. Any final reflections on experience of the past year? Um, you know, what what do you see in the next 12 months, let's say? I mean, is there gonna be real uh, stage return to the office? Uh, you personally, I know you're looking forward to going on holidays, we were talking about just before we started recording. Um, any final thoughts? From you, please.
1: Hmm. I, I at least have a, 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 a reflection, and that is that mm. we should not forget the learnings uh, and, and go back to as, as, as uh, things were before. I, I think even though we are tired now and fatigue is kicking in. I think there has been some some very valuable learnings uh, as to how do we uh, work uh, together, how how do we how do we collaborate uh, virtually. I, I think a lot of good things has come out of this. So I, I would <laughs> I would hate to see that everyone starts just. Coming back into the ALA office, and then uh, things go back to as they were before. Um, so, so that's that's at least one reflection I, I can say for myself personally, and also for people in in my team. Actually, during the pandemic, we have hired in people who live farther away uh, than we would normally do. And I think for for for, for those new employees. They they would appreciate that we don't have to go into the office uh, every day, and and that we might have two or three days in the office. Then we work from home, a couple of days, and then we uh, then we conduct our business in that way. And then when we are in the office, as you as you put it, uh, and and I think that's maybe one of the bigger things that is this expectations to the office people will have much higher expectations as when you come into the office then magic must happen so so how can we live up to those expectations that's that's one of the things i'm i'm considering very much how do we live up to those expectations but those would be a few of my remarks
0: i love that the office is the place where the magic has to happen right and and that's great and then even that first point it's you know let's all make the, the very best of this opportunity right as, as a reset and as you say the temptation if we are tired we just fall back in to the way that things were before so many thanks for your insights today klaus great to talk to you
1: you're very welcome great to talk to you as well Stephen.